listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 29th of July 2022. Later, the skills in most demand in the construction industry. But first to the US, where the economy has recorded two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. Anywhere else, two consecutive quarters of negative growth would be classified as a technical recession but not in the US. To find out why, I spoke earlier with Christina Clifton from the Commonwealth Bank. Yeah, so the, the very kind of narrow conventional definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of ne- negative economic growth. Um, but the US is a little different. They've got the National Bureau of Economics Research, um, which can, includes a special committee whose job it is to declare a recession. Um, and what they do is they analyse all the data um, they don't just look at those headline GDP numbers. They look at a whole range of measures, um, including what's happening in the labour force, what's happening with household income and spending and things like that. Um, they analyse it all and then they decide if they're, if, if they're in a recession. Um, we think it's likely that they will conclude that the US is not in a recession as of yet. Um, that's just because the labour market is still very tight. Um, household wages growth is still growing very strongly. So if you look at everything together, um, there's signs of a slowing, but it certainly isn't a typical recessionary backdrop. Okay. So given all that, do you still see a lower peak in US interest rates following that 75 basis point increase from the US Federal Reserve and the impact it's having on the US economy because it is still slowing? Yeah, we are seeing some signs of slowing already. Um, We've actually revised higher our forecast for the FOMC and and the peak in interest rates in the US. Uh, So we're now expecting another 350 basis point increases. That would take the Fed funds rate up to 4%, so a little higher than we previously expected. Um, And that's just because inflation is still very, very high in the the US. Um, It's really stubbornly high, and we're not really seeing any signs that inflation is cooling off. We still have that tight labour market Um, and we still have wages growth very strongly. And we think that FOMC, they're going to want to keep increasing interest rates until we start to see inflation move lower. Um, So we think that's still a little while yet, and that's why we're expecting quite a high peak in interest rates in the US. What are the risks to the global economy of a slowing US economy and thus Australia too? Yeah, so the US is a very big uh, part of the global economy. So if we see a slowdown, it is going to affect uh, their demand for for imports from other countries, including Australia. Um, Fortunately for us, the US isn't one of our major export markets. We're more orientated towards China and some of the other Asian economies. So we're probably a little bit insulated there. Um, Where we'll feel the impact, though, is through financial markets. So financial markets are very much driven uh, by developments in the US. Um, And we're seeing that already in our exchange rates. So what we tend to see is when the US economy is slowing and when there's fears around the global economy, we see the US dollar increase um, and we see currencies like the Australian dollar fall. um, And we have been seeing that in recent months. So we think the Australian dollar can probably remain heavy over the next year or so. Um, That benefits our exporters, it makes our exports more competitive, um, but it does make our imports uh, more expensive and that can add to the inflationary pressures that we're seeing here in Australia. 
Christina Clifton there from the Commonwealth Bank. And the Australian share market rose despite that news. The S&P ASX 200 up 0.8%, 6,945. To find out why, I spoke earlier with Marcus Bogdan from Blackmore Capital. I think the markets had really anticipated that we were going to get uh, two consecutive quarters of negative growth. So it was well anticipated. And what it does show you is that the higher interest rates and the cost of living pressures are now getting interest rates closer to peaking in the US. And that's seen as a good thing because the expectation is that possibly they'll reach their peak later this year uh, and then they may be able to start to cut in 2023, thus uh, supporting growth. That's in the US. The Reserve Bank meets next week. What about interest rates in Australia? What's the market thinking? Well, the expectation is for a 50 basis point increase in the Australian official rate. And that's in unison, really, with with central banks around the world, where we are still very much in this tightening phase. So how's the market likely to take all this news next week? And will 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 it provide any opportunities? I think the important thing uh, and what the central banks are very cognizant of uh, is consistency of of message and not having too many surprises. So I think that the 50 basis point increase is now well understood and baked into markets. If it was a different uh, figure, then that would be a surprise. But I think what is also in, will be also interesting is the commentary around uh, the outlook and the expectation of further interest rate rises by the RBA. Okay, so the market's been quite volatile this year, but if we look at July, it looks like we may end up around 6% higher. So that's pretty pretty significant. Can you put that 6% increase in context and does it represent a potential turning point in the market? It is a significant rise, but it's in keeping with the volatility that we've seen in recent months. And if we just go back to June, the market was down around 9% or 6% over the rolling quarter. So we are seeing much higher levels of volatility given the uncertainties that we're seeing on inflation and interest rates. But we don't expect that this is the turning point in the market yet. For that to happen, we need to see a peaking of inflation and a peaking of interest rate rises. And we expect that we're just too early to call that out. Finally, reporting season is just around the corner. What are you looking out for? We're expecting to see solid earnings growth from Australian corporates for the August reporting season. I think we've had the benefits of reopening and the early indications of companies like JB Hi-Fi have been surprisingly good. I think what we are going to be focusing on is how companies are coping with cost of living pressures on higher input um, prices. And obviously, their guidance and outlook statements will be particularly of interest. That is Marcus Bogdan there from Blackmore Capital. So from the share market, let's now go to construction because the housing industry of Australia says that the availability of trades is at its worst since it started measuring it in 2003. So the HIA says the most acute shortages are for bricklayers carpenters 
and roofers. For more, I spoke earlier with the HIA's Thomas Divot and first asked him where the most acute shortages were. Um, at the moment, the most acute shortages are in uh, Western Australia and South Australia, and the um, the most modest, although still acute, shortages are in uh, Melbourne. And the reason for that um, is uh, the balance of demand and supply, um, exactly how large the uh, the home builder boom has been for various states, and how many workers were um, were there before and during the pandemic. So, in the case of Melbourne. They ha- uh, we in Melbourne have had are having an enormous home builder boom. It's just uh, marginally less significant than the other states, given that uh, we were very dependent on overseas migrants, students, and tourists. So the loss of them with the closure of international borders was was most felt here. Um, and on top of that, a lot of um, local uh, Melbourne residents have uh, have entirely left the state during the pandemic as well. Whereas um, in, West, in states like Western Australia, they um, responded to the Home Builder Grant more strongly than almost anywhere else. And on top of that, they had been um, in a housing downturn essentially since the uh, since the end of the mining boom back in uh, which peaked back in 2012. So a lot of their skilled trades had been leaving in the years before the pandemic. So ultimately. How does this affect the consumer? And assuming you're talking prices, right, where will the biggest uh, pressure or increases in prices be? Uh, Well, yes, the result of these shortages has been these skilled trades have become more um, and more expensive. And it's not just uh, skilled trades. It's also the price of materials and uh, emerging shortages of land that have just blown out the costs of of construction of of home building um, across Australia. Uh, as well um, as the uh, as, as the fact that um, these uh, constraints are taking the uh, the home builder pipeline longer to complete. Normally, it would take about a little a little over eight months for a house to go from commencement to completion. Now it's over a year. So um, the result is that this pipeline, almost regardless of what happens um, in the in the short term, this pipeline is going to take. 18 months to, to complete. Um, Australian builders are going to going to be kept busy this year and next year and potentially into 2024. Thomas Devitt there from the Housing Industry of Australia. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.